Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 45, verse 6. Let's go. Genesis 45, verse 6. This is the incredible story of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers, his brothers whom sold him to human traffickers and decided to do that instead of killing him. Right? So here we go. This is awesome forgiveness story. Verse 6, for these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Let's stop there. Let's eat up this verse, absorb it, meditate on it, talk about it. All right? So it's been two years. We know the famine's going to last how long? Seven years. So there's five years left, which is what we're seeing right here. This is a picture of the future tribulation, which is a total of seven years. So let's... Delve in here. Oop, where'd my note go? So this is a picture of the future tribulation when evil on earth will be unrestrained. Right now, evil is actually being restrained. Let's take a look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own name? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only who, who now, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What's going on there? God is telling us that in the end times, in this seven-year tribulation period, which is going to take place, evil will truly be unrestrained. Right now, the Holy Spirit is around and restraining evil. We look around, we're like, wait, what? Re evil is being restrained? What are you talking about? Look at what's going on in North Korea. Look at what's going on in China. Look at what's going on in America and the woke society and culture that we are living in right now. How are you telling me that evil is being restrained? Trust me, evil is being restrained. It can get, and it will get, a lot worse. During the seven-year tribulation, it's going to be awful. There will literally be no restraint on evil. If you have any fear about that, that's a good thing. But know that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will not be in the seven-year tribulation. You will either have already gone to heaven, because your last day on earth will have come to an end, or you will be raptured. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I don't know, Mike, I don't, I don't believe all this talk about the end times and the apocalypse and blah, blah, blah. And you just sit there and you're like, you dismiss it. I don't have a relationship with Jesus or I'm that lukewarm person you keep talking about. But I'm good with it. I still want to go and, you know, drink and go to tapas bars and, and you know, yell and be mean and, and hate people and steal and lie and covet and whatever it is. Or, or are you just a great person you think you are, but you still miss the benchmark? You, you are like the nicest, sweetest, most sincere, kind, understanding, loving person in the world right now, but you still fall short of the mark because you're not perfect. If that's you, then during the tribulation, if you live in the tribulation, if you make it to that point, you can still come to Christ. But why would you want to do that? Why would you want to live in that time when evil is completely unrestrained? Go ahead and accept Christ now. It's time. So, 
This seven-year period is also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. But we know that Jacob was delivered out of this trouble. And we know that Israel will be delivered at the end of the tribulation when all of those Israelites living at the last moment of the tribulation, surrounded and crushed, will collectively, individually, and universally cry out to Jesus as their Savior, declaring He's their Lord and Savior. And that's the exact moment when Jesus will return for His second coming. That's when He comes back as the conquering king. Now, don't confuse this. This doesn't mean that all Jewish people or Israelites are saved. But at the end of the tribulation, all those who are living at that moment will declare Him to be their Lord and Savior, which is how anyone gets saved. Right now, if you're Jewish... And number one, no one can prove they're Jewish because all of the genealogical records got destroyed in the fire when the Romans burned the temple down in A.D. 70. So, you know, roughly 2,000 years ago, uh, 19, whatever that is, 1950 years ago. But you must accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We generally call a truly uh, a person who is truly Jewish or, or thinks they are who come, who grew up with Jewish tradition, etc., maybe even go to temple or went to temple, who accept Jesus as their Lord and Messiah, we call that person a Messianic Jew. That means they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that person will go to heaven. A Jewish person who does not believe that Jesus is, is the Messiah will not go to heaven. And a large portion of the Jewish people who claim to be Jewish today don't attend services, don't uh, even believe that there is a God. It's just a fraternity to them. But at the end, all the Jewish people living at the end of the tribulation will come to Jesus. So it's called the time of Jacob's trouble, and we're like, Jacob's trouble? What are you talking about? This is Joseph. Joseph's the one that got sold into slavery. Joseph's the one that his brothers want, wanted dead. But remember, his father is Jacob, and Jacob is also known as Israel. Before he wrestled with God, his name was Jacob. After he wrestled with God, his name is Israel the old man and the new man. But he had this time of trouble because he thought his son was dead. And he's, he and his family are going through this famine. So they call it, refer to it as the time of Jacob's trouble. And let's see, verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Boom! Right there. Okay, remember, Joseph is a type of Christ. We call this typology. He is not Jesus. He is a type of Jesus. It means he's pointing to the life of Jesus. You can look at a lot of attributes and, and behaviors on the part of uh, Joseph and, and the way that God constructed a lot of these things and say, ah, that points to the future Jesus at this point, you know, going back at this point in time. So it says, and God sent me. Who sent Joseph? God. Who sent Jesus? God the Father. Jesus is also God. Does that mean he's a multi-god? You know, do we, uh, do we have multiple gods in this religion? No, it's three persons and one Godhead. It is one God, but he takes on three different persons. All right. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. To preserve. Remember, God, Jesus is our preserver. He is our life preserver, if you will. If you were on a boat, and I just read the book In Harm's Way about the USS Indianapolis that was sunk during the World War, uh, World War II, I think it was. Um, and they had to have these life preservers, and they had these life rafts, and they helped save 
many of the lives. The majority of the people perished, unfortunately, but they, uh, all of them probably would have died. Well, all of them would have died if they didn't have any of these life preservers, right? Jesus is our life preserver. He is our preserver because he preserves us not just for this life or for a moment, but for all of eternity. And God sent Joseph to help his brothers, and God sent Jesus to help his potential adopted children. For those who call on the name of Jesus as Lord will be saved and adopted as children of God. Right. So you go back to this kind of the misconception. Some people say, well, I thought everybody was a child of God. No. God created everyone. But only the ones who call upon the name of the Lord, who declare that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and, and ask forgiveness of their sins, those are the ones who get adopted. You don't have to do anything to get adopted. You don't have to pay. You just get adopted by declaring him to be your Lord and Savior. Then you're a child of God. He loves the, his children. You know who he also loves? He also loves the other ones that he created who haven't called upon his name. Does that mean he'll allow them into heaven? No. He will only allow those into heaven who are considered perfect and holy and righteous. And the only way to be declared perfect and holy and righteous is to be covered with the blood of the righteous one, Jesus Christ, because you're clothed in the robe of righteousness. You're clothed in Jesus. He essentially stands before you and says, God the Father, and this one is pardoned and perfect. I took the punishment for him, and God the Father sees Jesus says, perfect, love it. But you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior in order to be adopted. Then you're a child of God. But he loves you even if you're not a child of his. But he wants you to become a child of his so that he can live eternally with you in heaven. Because if you're not a child of his, then you don't get to do that. Now, the offer of adoption is available to everybody. We call this universal, right? It's a universal offering. On the cross, his arms are spread wide. But it must be individually accepted by you and you and you and me and my child and my wife and every single person past, present, and future, must make that individual decision to the universal calling, the universal offering to become a child of his, to be adopted by his. The choice is ours to accept that offer of adoption or to reject it. And the majority reject it. And we know that the majority throughout time have and will reject it. We can see that around us. We can see it in society and culture. And we can also see it because God tells us that the majority will perish, will not make it to heaven. Not because it's hard to get to heaven. Not because they, they didn't you know, know how to do it. He told us with the Bible, with, with general revelation, just showing us baby, you know, a baby being born. Are you kidding me? What a miracle of God. Looking around at the beautiful you know, trees and mountains and everything that just created itself. I don't think so. There's obviously a creator. So we're without excuse. And we can't pay him. We can't get to the great, if, if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to the great white throne judgment. If you do believe in Jesus, you go to the beam of seat of Christ. You, if, you, if you don't believe in Jesus and you get to the great white throne judgment and you say, I've got a lot of money, Jesus, I'm going to pay you. And he's going to say, that little green piece of paper? What, what are you going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? I can't spend that in heaven. Or they're going to say, God, I, I can show you all my deeds. Look at all these incredible things I did. I, I put my name on buildings. I... Helped old ladies across the street. I, I fed people. I, I did this and he'd say, are you perfect? Are you perfect? Are you holy? Are you righteous? And I'll say, no. I'll say, then you can't be with me. You got to be perfect to be in heaven. 
And the only way to do that is to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What an amazing offering. So simple. We'll finish up with verse 8. So now it, um, let's see, there may be one more. Oh, and the, the back part of verse 7 says, Before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Jesus is our deliverer. He delivers us from evil and from the consequences and penalty of sin. We are to celebrate Christ rather than focus on our sins. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't walk around like you've been sucking on lemons, like you're mad all the time. There'll be times. Yesterday was a tough day for me. I think it was because I got to such an exciting uh, couple of verses in in the Bible and uh, was excited about it and did the podcast, and then it just ended up being a tough day. I'm like, oh, I was ready for the next day. But those are going to happen from time to time. But I want to trust God and not have that that fear. Um, and it, it, just because I because I teach that doesn't, doesn't make me um, you know mean I never have a tough time or never have circumstances that arise. I do. Um, and but I continue to ask God to help me and to help me trust Him more and to fear less. Lord, help us to love You. Help us to see the picture of redemption here that You're showing us through Joseph, who's a type of Christ. Help us to. Understand that you love us, you want to adopt us, you've made that offering plain and simple and clear. All we have to do is reject it. We can't buy it, we can't earn it. Just like a child who's being adopted doesn't pay the adopting parent. They don't say, look at the good deeds I did in the orphanage or whatever. They, they just say, thank you, I love you, I accept the adoption. Or they could reject it. If they're old enough, right, that 13-year-old kid or whatever says, no, I don't want to be adopted by you, plain and simple, no. And that's what the majority of people do. Help us to love you and to tell people about you, not hide you. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.